This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about the key numbers of 2019. Now, I know we're halfway through 2019, but these are some numbers that are going to be important for you to keep in mind as we go through the remainder of this fabulous year. With me today, I have financial planner Byron Palsma. Good morning, Byron. Good morning, Mary. So, key numbers. I And these numbers are derived from questions we get the most frequently, and that's why we wanted to key in on them. That's right. So, I think that one of the most common questions that we get have to do with gifts. And gifts are something that are wonderful to give to people, but there's a little mystery about how you can actually gift larger sums of money to people that you love and care about. So let's talk a little bit about gifts. When you think about giving a gift, what's the most common question that you get, Byron? Probably is there any are there any tax implications that are involved yes. with giving this gift? For sure. And the answer is only if it's above a certain amount. <laughs> right. So for 2019, that gift amount is still $15,000 per person. So if you want to give $15,000 to your son, you can do that. If you want to give another fifteen to your daughter, you can do that. You're going to give another fifteen to their children, each child, you can do that. And we call that family stacking, which is kind of a fun way to think about it. Right. So although the limit is 15000 if you have a lot of people in your family, you can multiply that 15000 by however many people you're wanting to give that gift to. Right. Each parent could give 15000 so you could double it up to 30000 for a child if you'd like to do that. Exactly. So let's put that into some real-world context. Let's say you're trying to um, move a large sum of money to uh, your family, to your children, to your grandchildren, things like that. So here's one of the ways that you can do this family stacking concept. You and your spouse can each give 15000 to your child. So there's thirty. You can give 15000 to your child's spouse. So there's another thirty. Now we're up to sixty. And if they have two kids, you can each give 15000 to grandchild number one and grandchild number two. So now we're up to $120,000 that can be gifted to that family without having any tax implications. On either side, whether it's the donor or the donees, either side, there's no tax implications as long as you stay under the Exactly. Yep. So how do you keep track of that? It's very wise to have a paper trail. Not necessarily the best idea to write a check signed by one person out of one account for 120000 That <laughs> might look a little funny, but you could go ahead and write joint gifts out of a joint checking account. So you could write a check for 30000 and have it be considered a joint gift, but you would want to have the checks be going to each beneficiary so that there's not any question about whether or not you violated the gift limit. Right. Now, what happens if you want to give money that's above the 15000 and above this family stacking limit that we're talking about. Then you start to get into some tax consequences. So if you want to avoid some of those tax consequences, what you can do is you can start to utilize what's called your estate tax exclusion amount. And so here's the thing. If people pass away, 
you can actually give a lot of money to the people that you love without having any estate taxes. And the estate tax exclusion amount right now is $11,400,000. So if you have more than $11,400,000 to give away, then we'll have to have a different conversation about estate planning. (laughs) Yeah, and please visit Sterk Financial. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But if you don't, what that means is with the proper paperwork, you can gift more than the $15,000 limit. You're just using your estate tax exclusion while you're alive instead of after you die. But here's the thing. You have to keep track of it. And there are some tax forms that have to be filed in order for it not to be considered taxable to you or the person you give the gift to in the year that it happens. So do keep that in mind that you're going to want to visit with your tax preparer about that to make sure that you don't have some issues with that type of gifting. Right. As with many things, that paper trail is is very important. It is. It is. So whatever you use of that gift tax or gift exclusion while you're alive eats away at the total $11,400,000 number. Now, here's the tricky part of it. Um, it depends on how the laws are at the time when you give, do the gift and also at the time when you pass away to see how they're going to coordinate. And since we don't know what the laws are going to be when you actually die, because that's likely to be at a future state, then we don't really know what's going to happen with that gift tax exclusion. Sometimes the laws have said that there's reversion. And if, if the estate tax reverts back to say there's only a million that you can give away, well, if you've already gifted more than that, there could be retroactive taxes later. Sometimes the tax laws have said that your grandfathered in whatever the rule was when you gifted it, then it's going to be that way no matter if there's reversion. But they haven't always been consistent. <laughs> So that's why it's important to make sure you've got the paper trail there. Absolutely. (laughs) So giving within the $15,000 limit is probably the more typical question, but people do wonder what that estate tax limit is that we just talked about. So, Byron, what's the next set of key numbers that we want to go ahead and talk about? Well, let's talk a little bit about Social Security. And one of the things that you should know about Social Security is there is a cost of living adjustment that's built into the system. Mm Mm-hmm. And you may recall in the last few years, I think there was no no adjustment, no right. gain, mm-hmm. so to speak, uh, the system. But for this year, there's a fairly healthy gain, and that's because inflation is going up. Uh, for this year, the percentage is a uh, 2.8% increase. Which is great. I mean, not every year, like you said, do we get to see a bump in the values of Social Security. And when cost of living goes up, but Social Security doesn't, it can pose a threat for people who are living primarily on that kind of income. Right. So that 2.8% increase is a really nice adjustment. But here's the thing that I think people ask even more about Social Security is, how do I know if I've qualified it for it? And so there is some rules of thumb, some key numbers with Social Security that are important for you to know. First of all, you have to have worked a certain number of quarters to qualify for Social Security. And the number of quarters that you have to work is 40. So basically, that's 10 years of work. Right. Now, each quarter, though, there's an actual amount of earnings that are required for you to be able to count it as a quarter of your 40 quarters. So, Byron, how much do you have to have earned in that quarter? For in uh, 2019, the amount is 1360 
Yep. So if you earned $1 less, they're not going to count that as a quarter. <laughs> so if you're trying to boost your quarters, that's that's something to keep in mind. Now, who does that really impact? It impacts people maybe who are working part-time. It impacts people who maybe took time out of the workforce for whatever reason there was. They want to go back and at least earn enough to get their quarters in so they qualify for Social Security. That's the amount that you have to pay attention to. Now, on the flip side of that, let's say that you are a high earner and you are bringing in a good salary. Social Security taxes stop coming out of your income at a certain point. We kind of call this a tax freedom time. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that amount, Mary, for 2019 is $132,900. Yes. So... Social Security taxes stop being taken out at that level. So when you hit that level, which for people is going to be somewhere mid-year towards the end of the year, depends on what your income is, when you hit that level and you see that that's no longer coming out, one of the best things that you can do is figure out what to do with that money that you weren't used to getting anyway. So if you all of a sudden have extra money in your paycheck, here's two great ideas that you can do with that extra bump. One is to save it into your retirement account. <laughs> and I think y'all knew I was going to say that. <laughs> and that's kind of the boring option, right, Mary? <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> but it's not a bad option because it does give you kind of a way to say, well, I'm not used to getting that money anyway. I might as well save it for the future. Right. So that's not a bad deal. The other thing that I see people do that I think is a super fun idea is they consider that to be their vacation fund. So they'll take that extra money in the paycheck once the Social Security uh, taxes stop coming out, and they segregate that into a special account, and then that's what they use, and they call it their tax-free vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a great idea. I think we should all go on tax-free vacations. Right. <laughs> I don't know if they're appropriately calling it tax-free or not, but it feels that way to them, so that's a good idea. <laughs> yep, that's right. If you were going to ta take a tax-free vacation, Byron, where would you go? Oh, I don't know. Probably uh, maybe out to the mountains. There you I, go. We enjoy the mountain life, so yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. I would head straight to the beach. <laughs> 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 I, I would like to sit on the beach with a good book and a drink in my hand, and I think that that would be an, a great use of my tax-free vacation. <laughs> okay, the last thing I want to talk about with Social Security, coming back to the real world, is the um, amount of money that you can earn in the years if you take Social Security early. So there's lots of rules about Social Security. Your full retirement age is going to be triggered off of your birth date. And if you take your Social Security sooner than that, which for many people can be as soon as 62, there's just this earnings limit that you have to be aware of. So if you take your Social Security early, the key number for 2019 that you need to make sure you're not earning above is $17,640. So if you earn more than that, guess what? You're going to have to start paying Social Security back. That is not a fun check to write. <laughs> and that's when you often hear people who are retired from, so to speak, their main job. They may take a part-time mm -hmm. job, but they don't want to earn too much because of having to pay back the Social Security benefits. Right. And that number goes up each year. It tends to be indexed for inflation. So 17640 is the 2019 numbers. And we thought that would be a great key number to kind of close our short discussion here on Social Security. 
Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about key numbers of 2019. So we've talked a little bit about money related to gifts and estate planning and social security. And now I want to dive into retirement contributions. So each year, we have to take a look at the beginning of the year about how much you can actually put away into your retirement. Because for a lot of people listening, their strategy is to actually maximize their retirement. So if you're trying to maximize your retirement, then Byron, share with us what's the amount that someone can actually defer out of their paycheck into their 401k, 403b plans, things like that. Those numbers have actually gone up this year, Mary, Mm -hmm. and the number for 2019 is $19,000. Kind of an easy thing to remember, 19 (laughs) and 2019. That's right. (laughs) It doesn't usually line up that way so easily. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, okay, so that means $19,000 is what you can deduct. I literally just had a conversation yesterday with someone who had said, well, last year we took the $18,500 number and divided it equally among our paychecks, but we did never make that change for 2019. Was there an increase? And, and the answer was yes, there was a slight increase. So 19000 is the total that they you know can do this year. So if you haven't already adjusted the amount that you're deducting for to make your annual maximum, this is a good time to do that. You'll often see that with 401k plans where they'll kind of tell you or suggest at least to increase by 1% mm-hmm. every year, which is which is a good way to look at it. Yeah. And there's some times that make it nice to do the increase. So one of the times that people do their increases is when they get a raise. So if you get a raise, it, the best response you can do is to immediately go in and increase your 401k contribution by some percentage as well. Right. So if you get a 3% raise, increase your 401k by 1%. You're still getting some more money in your hot little hands with your paycheck. And (laughs) so it's a good balance of enjoying what you got today and saving some more for tomorrow. Right. It's a nice choice to have to be able to do that. Another time to do it, though, is just using milestones as your trigger to do it. So January 1st is a very typical milestone that people use, kind of a fresh new year, things like that. But the other milestone people use is is their birthday. So if you think about when it's your birthday, raise your 401k to save for your future. That's just kind of a nice um, mental way to think about giving yourself a gift for later. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, not everybody's in a 401k. Some people are in simple IRAs or simple 401ks, and they have a different limit. Their limit's only $13,000 a year. So keep in mind that the type of plan that you have is going to dictate your amount. But here's the thing. If you have reached a certain age, you get to do what's called a catch-up contribution. It's one of the benefits of getting older. <laughs> <laughs> There aren't many, Mary, but that's one of them. (laughs) Well, this is definitely one of them. So what's the magic age, Byron? Uh, Age 50 is where where you'll start to see increases. Yep. Uh, For instance, with IRAs, uh, the increase is uh, $1,000 more. Mm -hmm. So if you're under 50, you could put in $6,000 for a calendar year. But if you're 50 or above, you can bump that up to 7000 for 2019. Which is great. And in your 401k, like we said, it's 19000 in 2019. But if you're over 50, you can bump that by another 6000 So you can actually get up to $25,000 into your plan, deferring that from your income, which is a great tax move and a great savings move. Right. It's, it's kind of like if you're 
running a mile that last lap, your mm-hmm. last retirement years, you're, you're starting to kick it in. And that's kind of what we're talking about here is you start putting a little bit more money into that. And often that fits in with uh, families' financial situations. Maybe they, they're not, no longer saving for kids for college. Uh, maybe the mortgage is gone or yeah. hopefully paid down a little bit. Or you're maybe earning more money than you were before. So there are some different scenarios in which that uh, catch-up provision, as we call it, is, is, uh, works well for people. Exactly. So in, in the last number related to that, we said your simple IRA contribution is 13000 The catch-up contribution, if you're over 50 for that, is another 3000 So it gets you to sixteen. So those are your key numbers for 2019 as related to retirement. Now, before we get to taxes, I just want to pop over to a topic that I think people kind of forget about a little bit, and that's that there are some contribution limits when you are saving for education. So there's a couple different types of education savings plans out there. One of them is called a Coverdell Education Savings Account, and the maximum that you can put into that is $2,000 a year. And that does have some phasing out of your allowability to do that based on your income. So that's got a fairly low limit. But the more common use for education accounts is the 529 plan. And in the 529 plan, you can put in, you know, the amounts of money that you want to put in um, $15,000 a year like the gift limit. But there's a special provision, a special key number for 529s that you can do a lump sum gift to a 529 plan where you can kind of front load it. And so this, the lump sum amount is $75,000 per person. So if you want to set up a 529 plan, let's say for a grandchild, and you have a larger amount of money that you want to lump sum into there, you can actually go up to 75000 or 150000 if you do that family stacking, that joint gift approach, to be able to really, really max fund 529 plans for your family members. So those are the education numbers to kind of play with there. All right, taxes. My goodness, taxes were a hot topic this year because people recently got their 2018 taxes done and a lot of them had a tax surprise. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. The standard deductions in the tax planning went way up. So for most people, there was a much bigger deduction this year than they have been able to take in the past years. And that's great. So it depends on whether or not you're single or married or things like that if your standard deduction went up. But the problem that people had is that the government also changed the withholding percentages. And so you, if you said, I want to have you know this many exemptions and they were withholding a certain amount before, when they changed those percentages, it didn't align right with the standard deduction anymore. So people got caught in a trap where they weren't withholding enough from their paychecks. And even though they had this bigger standard deduction, they still owed taxes at the end of the year, which was a big bummer. So my advice on the tax piece of this is make sure that you talk to your tax preparer and that you're having the right amount of exemptions now being taken out of your paycheck so you don't have that big tax surprise at the end of the year. So if you're married, your standard deduction now is 24400 
had a household is a little over 18,000. And if you're single, it's 12,200. So unfortunately, there's still this um, not, I guess we would call it, instead of a marriage penalty, it's a single penalty. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get near as big of a standard deduction. But I guess there is only one of you versus two of you. (laughs) So, okay. Last topic that we want to cover is going to be related to long-term care, and health-related things. So people don't always think about long-term care and health-related numbers when they're doing their planning, but there's a couple of key numbers for 2019 that I think are going to be important. So if you are having some long-term care insurance and you have a premium that your accountant has told you that you can deduct, Byron, share with us Let's say you're in your 50s and 60s. How much premium can actually be deducted? Right. And these are age-banded. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, ages 51 through 60, the amount is 1,580. But it jumps up pretty considerably for those from age 61 to 70, where it gets to 4,220. And over age 80, it's up to 5270 Right. So most people don't realize there's a limit on how much you can deduct for the premium of your, your nursing home, your long-term care insurance. So those are those key numbers. The other key numbers limit, though, that's important to think about with that is when you're actually getting your benefit, when it's paying out, there's a current benefit that is a per diem limit, and that's $370. So if you're receiving more than $370 a day from your policy, then you're going to be over that per diem limit, and then it would become more of a tax situation for the money coming out of the policy. So, okay, so we've talked about quite a few numbers today. This is a Uh, money guide show. So numbers are not new to us. That's something we live and breathe every day. And so we hope that this has been um, valuable information to you so you can align your planning with the right numbers for the rest of 2019. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.